Let's go ahead and get started then. Lord, we just thank you that you are our teacher. The Spirit of God teaches us. So true. Who can know the thoughts of God but the Spirit of God? Lord, thank you that you are so willing to teach us. You said, ask, ask. If you lack wisdom, if you lack understanding, ask, and the Lord will answer, and He will not scold you for asking. He abradeth not when we ask. You said, anyone who asks receives. Anyone who seeks finds. Anyone who knocks, it shall be open. It's awesome, 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 awesome. So willing to, to reveal these things to us. Once they were hidden, once they were hidden, But now you say, announce them from the housetops. And anyone who wants to know, I will tell them. Call unto me and I will answer thee. And I will show thee great and mighty things that you know not. It's a wide open horizon. It's an open heaven. We can ask and you can give us revelation and wisdom because you want to give us understanding. It's awesome. You will hold nothing back. Nothing back. So Lord, at this time, just help us to hear. Give us ears to hear. Eyes to see. Help us rest. Help us quiet the mind. That we might hear the Spirit of God. And hear things that are not from men. And not from this world. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning when I was, when I was getting up during that, you know, that, that time when you're half asleep, half awake, and you're in bed, and you're like thinking about the day about to happen, and I was just thinking and pondering. I really felt the Spirit speak as I was just laying there and it was I want to share it with you it was really cool it was it was like it was like it was a message for us I thought it was like the Lord said tell them they're on the right track tell them they're on the right track that it's a process revelation is a process what he did is not a process what is is not a process but understanding what he did And what is, is a process. The renewal of the mind. As the the sun rises in the morning, it doesn't just, bam, suddenly it's daylight. But there's a, a gradual breaking of the day. But that sun is shining just as bright at 6 a.m. as it is at 12 noon. It doesn't get brighter and brighter as it gets higher and higher. It's just as bright in the nighttime. On the other side of the earth, when the moon is reflecting that light and telling us it's still there, it hasn't changed. And that's how it is with God. These these truths are done. He has done it. There is a reality. There is a truth that can never be changed. It's fixed. But there's a growing awareness. There's a light that shines brighter and brighter until the perfect day. There's a unfolding revelation. And I felt like the Lord was telling me, Encourage my people. They're on the right track. You know why? And you know why he said we're on the right track? 
is because you're focused on Jesus himself. Focus on Jesus himself. Set your mind on him. Focus on him. Looking unto Jesus. That's the key. Don't focus on a doctrine. Don't focus on a church. Don't focus on an organization. Don't focus on a man. Don't focus on a, on a system. Don't focus on anything but Jesus himself. The man, Christ Jesus. And we'll be on the right track. He said, uh, isn't that cool? He said uh, to the disciples, he said, I have many things to tell you, but you cannot bear them now. Which is an awesome statement. In other words, he has a lot more to tell them. But they couldn't bear it at that point. And then he said, but when the Spirit comes, the Spirit will lead you into all truth and open these things to you because... Without the Spirit, you can't even begin to understand. Because imagine Jesus beginning to talk to his disciples just, just straight on about, you're going to die when I die. You're going to be buried when, I, when I'm buried. You're going to be raised when I'm raised. You're going to be made into a new creation on the inside. And you're going to actually be where I am in the heavenly realm. I mean, they're like, who can know these things? Who can understand these things, you know? But the Spirit brings these things to our mind and teaches us unfolding what his work means understanding the grace of God in truth Paul says we understand the grace of God in truth and bear much fruit so I think that's an awesome statement where he says I have many things to tell you but you cannot bear them now which implies it is a journey it's a process of this unfolding revelation just don't ever get to don't ever think that it's a process in terms of getting closer to God. Don't ever think it's a process in getting more and more righteous. Never think it's a process of getting more and more holy. Because that's missing it. That's off track. But when you see it's done and it's all in him and you're in him and he's in you. And it's just a matter of light. Awake and Christ shall give thee light. Uh, revelation of what is. When you see that, you're on the right track. It's awesome. And, it's, and that's the rest. That's the rest. Last Sunday, just a few, just a few minutes, uh, like we said, we didn't get it recorded last Sunday, so I want to just share a few thoughts that we shared last Sunday that I thought was really important. kind of goes along with what, what we just said. And that has to do with um, the, the phrase antichrist is something that we hear a lot about mainly in Christian circles. But keep in mind that antichrist in the Greek, the word anti primarily means pseudo-Christ or substitute for Christ. It does involve being against Christ also, but it's more of a, a substitute. We're against him by substituting something for him is what it's all about. And in the world, there, well, there, let me say it this way. There's, there's like two kinds of of uh, Antichrist. Uh, John talks about in his letter, First John, the spirit of Antichrist is in the world now. There are two kinds of spirits, if you want to say it that way, of Antichrist. One, come, one is manifested in a, uh, just a blatant denial of God. You know, we don't need God, we don't believe in God, uh, etc. And it's a glorification of man and man's abilities and man's uh, intellect and man's power, man's strength. And so they substitute Christ for whatever. You know, it's, it's all about 
man is the center. It's humanism. It's what's really um, is all throughout the world and has been ever since Babylon when they joined together to make a name for themselves and build a tower that we might make a name for ourselves. You know, it's the spirit of Babylon is what it is. And then, then there's another aspect of Antichrist, which is a little more subtle, and it's out there too. And this Antichrist spirit or attitude or mindset is, is um, it, it finds itself in those that Jesus referred to. Jesus said that there'll be de- those who say, I preached in your name and I did mighty things in your name. And, you know, and he would say, he will say, I never knew you. So there's another aspect of the Antichrist spirit or pseudo-Christ spirit that is religion. They claim God. They extol God in their, with their lips. They speak of God. They're not like the other world that says there is no God and man is the sinner. They actually say God is the sinner. And they are very elaborate in their praise of God and so forth. But they don't know him because they seek their own righteousness and have stumbled over the stumbling stone, which is Christ himself, Paul said, seeking to establish their own righteousness. They have neglected and rejected the gift of righteousness, which is by faith in Jesus himself. The simplicity of receiving the gift of righteousness by faith. faith. And so... In that religious mindset where there is a lot of pseudo-Christ stuff going on, substitute for Christ, the Spirit in us wants us to be strong in our focus on Jesus himself. And so we don't want to attach ourselves to this seduction, this religious seduction, um, whether it's good works as you know, that's that's you know that's my identity, my good works. Or uh, some people are are attached to even a church building, you know, like the, the huge cathedrals. You know, that's their, they get their identity from a from the stained glass windows or something like that, and and um, and look down on the little home meeting as all that. But this this I go to this church, you know, that kind of thing, um, because they don't see the invisible. The invisible is not as real to them as the visible. And the more that we miss. The invisible, the more we're blind to the invisible, the more emphasis we put on the visible. And that's why there was never a church building built for 300 years in the first growth of the church. 300 years. No one thought to build a church building with stained glass windows and and try to duplicate heaven, you know, with the tall ceiling so that when you look up and see the artwork, it makes you, oh, you know, no one even thought about doing that for 300 years. Why? Because the invisible was so much more real and vivid to them that they, they didn't even didn't occur to them to try to make something on earth that looked like what they were seeing in the invisible. See? So, just be wise as a serpent, harmless as a dove. Let the Spirit continue to lead us to Him, focus on Him, feed on Him. They said of the Galileans, when they, they found the uneducated Galileans, uneducated Galileans, they said... Oh, you know, these guys are just fishermen. They're uneducated. But then it said, but they took note that they had been with Jesus. And they could not resist the wisdom and the spirit by which they spoke. 
because they were taught of him. It's just God's way. God chooses the weak to, to confound the strong. He chooses the foolish to confound the wise. He chooses that which is nothing to confound that which is. To show that it's not about man's ingenuity and man's intellect, man's strength, not by might, not by power, but my, by my spirit, says the Lord. And so it's open to all, all who will humble themselves and receive him, all who will see that the highest wisdom, the highest wisdom is Christ. As Paul says, Christ is my wisdom and my power. One, one second, Diane. And, um, and Paul talks about, you know, those who have a form of godliness, a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. Paul says, from such turn away. Form, outward looking of godliness, but deny the power. Christ is our power. Christ is our power, the focus of Christ. So anyway, I just, that's what we shared last Sunday, and we went into a lot more, but just want to encourage you to, to be aware that the Spirit of God in us is drawing us primarily to Him. He has many things to say to us that maybe we can't bear now, but He will by the Spirit, open up more and more things about himself and about his work. Um, Jesus said the main work of the Holy Spirit is to show us the things of Christ, the things of him, the, things, the deep things of God, the things of Christ, and the things that belong to you because you're in Christ. Major work of the Spirit. It's not about showing sin, showing us sin in the flesh. That's not the work of the Spirit of God. That was the work of the law. Through the law is the knowledge of sin. We're not changed by looking at our sin in the flesh. We're changed by looking at our righteousness in the spirit. We know no man after the flesh anymore, but after the spirit. We don't even know ourselves anymore after the flesh, but we see ourselves as a new man, a new creation. And we dwell on those thoughts. We seek him. We set our mind on things above. Set. That's, that's a word that leaves no room for anything else. Set your mind on things above. Set your mind on things above. Where Christ is. Where you are, Paul says. Where you Know you not that you've died. And your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Set your mind there. Rest there. Behold there. And watch what the Spirit will do as we behold the new reality of who we are in him. And this is the truth that sets us free. It's not like religion at all. It's not like man's way. It's not like in the garden, you know, when they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and they saw their nakedness. And God said, who told you you were naked? Because that's the whole wrong track. It's the wrong tree. It's the wrong track to focus on your nakedness so you can modify your behavior. So you can somehow walk with God. God says, no, that's not. That's the wrong track. The tree of life, on the other hand, reveals him. Reveals him, reveals his work. Great is the mystery of your godliness. For he was manifested and he was crucified and he was raised again and he was beheld by the witnesses and he was proclaimed on in the world and he was believed on in the world and he was taken up into glory. Great is the mystery of your godliness. So it's joyful too. It's joyful. It's joyful. It's joyful. It's a rest. It's a, it's a joy. It, there's an excitement about it. There's a peace about it. There's an excitement. The mind set on the spirit is life and peace. The mind set on the flesh is death. So it's really cool. It's awesome. 
So I just want to share those few thoughts about what we touched on last Sunday. And, and now I just want to open the floor up for questions. If you have a question about the new covenant, about grace, about the scripture maybe, or, um, or some teaching we've had in the past, be glad to take it. Um, I'm going to try to take as many questions as I can. So I'm not going to, hopefully I'm not going to spend too much time on one question because I know there's a lot that could be said for each question, I'm sure. So I'm going to do my best to succinctly answer and go to another question so we can cover as many as possible. So anyway, you saints, let me know. If, if anybody has a question, let me know. Teddy? Yeah, that's a great, a great um, topic to comment on, um, and you've stated it exactly correct. That's exactly correct. The, uh, the typical teaching out there right now is that we have, as a believer, as a, as a Christian, we have two natures, and that it's the old the thing we've heard, you know, you feed the dog, that the dog you feed is going to win, that kind of thing. The problem with that is that, number one, it's just not what Scripture teaches, but, um, but you think about what the word nature means. Nature has to do with origin, has to do with where you came from, the nature, human nature. The word nature means where you're from. It's your, it's your nature. You know, it's your nature to do this because that's who you are. You're from this source or this origin. To say a believer has two natures is to say that the person has two origins or two fathers. And where once we were of Adam and our father, as Jesus said, was the devil under the power of evil from the race of Adam. Now, because of the new birth and the new creation, Jesus clearly says you are no longer from below, no longer of Adam's race, but of a new race of Christ who is raised from the dead, the last Adam, the new race, the new creation. And so by creating us new in him, he has given us his own nature. As Peter says, we are now made a partaker of the divine nature, the divine nature. And we're not a, a two-headed monster. We don't have two daddies. We don't have two natures, you know, uh, battling within us. This is crucial to understand this because if we don't see that, we will not really get uh, rooted and grounded in our true identity. You can't really see yourself as a son or daughter of God at the same time think that, but, but the devil's still my daddy. You can't. You can't see. You're not, you're not from two worlds. You're from one world, but you walk in this world in it, but not of it, Jesus said. And so it's very crucial to see that. And so, what, so what's the answer to this power of sin that we feel? You know, this temptation, the flesh, whatever. What is that? The, Paul describes it. Paul never says it's your sinful nature. And that's why I do not recommend the um, New International Version of the Bible. I do not recommend the New International Version of the Bible. Because in Romans 7, they actually 
um, the translators actually take great liberty to not translate what the Greek is saying, but actually imposes their own doctrine in that translation in Romans 7 and calls what the Greek says is flesh, sarks, S-A-R-X, sarks, flesh, imposes on their on that translation, their own interpretation, their own doctrine, and they call it sinful nature in the Bible, in the Scripture, Romans 7. You can see it in all the New International Version translations. Um, and there are other places where, um, but that's enough for me. I, they've done it there, they've done it other places, and I don't want any part of it. I want, a, I want an actual translation of the Scripture. I don't want someone putting their doctrine in my Bible that I'm studying. Um, and I recommend the New American Standard Version. The New American Standard Version is great. It's the closest, I believe. That's what Clark uses. Um, it's what I've used for years, too. It's, just, it's the closest to the original Greek and Hebrew. So the New American Standard Version, I recommend. But, and you'll see in uh, Romans 7 and the New American Standard, they, use, they translate that word flesh, word, which is flesh. So what did Paul say about that? He said that as a person, we are not two people. We're not, we don't have two natures. But what he did say was that there is a power of sin that works within our members. And not just Paul, but James said this. Peter talked about it. Mainly Paul, because he wrote more letters. But uh, John talked about it. There's a power of sin that works in our members, in our flesh, in our body. And I love what Bill Snell said last Sunday about the blood, because that's all part of it. The blood carrying the, the mystery of iniquity and how Jesus was born of a virgin um, because the Father is the one that brings the blood to the baby. And um, so he had no contaminated blood in his body um, because his father was God and not of this race. So the blood and then the body itself, you know, both the blood going to these cells uh, to make the cells live because without blood, the cells would die. Is all part hidden in all that is this mystery of iniquity. The body itself is not evil. You've got to see the distinction. Bod, the flesh and blood is not evil in and of itself. For the scripture says in Hebrews, thou hast prepared for me a body, speaking of Christ, thou hast prepared for me a body of flesh and blood. So what God made in the garden with Adam and Eve is not evil. The flesh and blood, the body, is not, that's not the problem. The problem is the power of sin or the mystery of iniquity that is in our DNA from the eating of that tree that has passed, been passed on to everybody of Adam. The eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the act of disobedience, great mystery there. That's why it's called the mystery of iniquity is, had Put it was put inside of them. They ate it. They took it in, and it went into their system. And it they passed it on to their children. We received it upon natural birth. It is the uh, we were born in sin. David said we were conceived in sin. What that doesn't mean that the the act of conception was sinful, as some people have said. No, it means that we were born in the natural with this iniquity in us. You know the power of sin in the flesh. Okay. So what happens in the new creation is that God actually quarantines in Colossians. It says he cut away the body of the flesh, which is awesome. He cut away the body of the flesh and, and quarantined the power of sin in our members. It's not, a, it's not the old you. The old you died, period, dead. Because the moment that you were separated from your flesh, your old man ceased to exist. Only when you're joined to the flesh, in the flesh, as a fallen human being, does the old man exist? So if the old man is separated from the body there's a new, and a new man raised, the old man ceased to exist. And that's what Paul said. Don't you, no, you're not. Your old man died. And that you, you don't, you're not gradually being crucified. You were crucified once. Okay. So the power of sin is in our mortal body, the scripture teaches. This is what the apostles taught, the power of sin. 
It's a mystery, but it, it works off of the law. The law is the strength of sin, the Scripture says. And the law is still the strength of sin for the believer. And the law stimulates sin because it is not of faith. That's the key. It's not of faith. Um, but the way of the Spirit, the way of Christ, the way of grace is all of faith. And so when we believe, when we walk in faith and dependence on Christ, that stimulates the Spirit of life. He who believes on me out of his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. And so it is the Spirit of life that puts to death the deeds of the body, Paul says. So as we are growing in this awareness of who we are in him, a new creation with one nature, the Spirit of God is able to fill us as we grow in this awareness of Him. We, walk, we go from faith to faith, from glory to glory, and the Spirit of God short circuits, so to speak, the power of sin in the flesh. Something the willpower could not do, something the emotions could not do, something just mere knowledge of right and wrong could not do. And that's what Romans 7 is all about. Romans 7 talks about Paul knowing right from wrong. He had the will to do the right thing. He hated sin. He had the emotion working for him. He had all these things working for him. And he, and yet, and he says, and yet I still found myself being brought into captivity. The, law, the, the power of sin brought me into captivity. Who shall deliver me from this body of death? And then, of course, Romans 8, he gives the answer, which is the, the revelation of the new creation, the spirit, and the mindset on the spirit, and so forth and so on. So anyway, that, that's a very powerful thing to understand and to remember. We are not um, of two origins. Um, it's, actually, it's, it's th- if you think about it, it's just impossible anyway. It's, just, it's you're either from one place or the other. You're either, from, you're either in Adam are either in Christ. And that's what Paul talks about in Romans 5 and 6. So it's very important that when we find ourselves sinning, um, that we realize that's not the real me. It's very important that you realize it's not the real me when I sin. Um, and that, uh, that we seek to see what he is saying about who we really are. And that's what brings us out of the false self the false self that the enemy would try to sell you, that this is who you really are. The true self is the one made in his image after his likeness, which is the new creation. Cool, cool. Yes, Diane? You mentioned the scripture, which years ago I was concerned with that, um, that many will come in my name, and you said for a while, that they will say that I prayed in your name, I cast out demons in your name, I'm not sure I know what you're asking. I think you're... Are you asking... Can that be a Christian? Can that be a person that once knew God? Because in Revelation, the last people... Okay, so, okay, so, you're, so you're asking, can, can that be someone who was actually born of the Spirit and who now got away from God? And that, could that be referring to someone 
Okay. Right, right. Yeah, that's the answer to that is no, um, because the scripture says, I never knew you. I didn't know you for two years or ten years, and then we, you know, lost contact. Um, <laughs> I never knew you. Um, there, there is a, um, there are plenty of people out there that use the name of the Lord that have no clue. They're just, they were raised in religion, and they're, they're going about doing things, you know, in the name of God, but they have, they just don't know him and he doesn't know them because they've sought, you know, their own way in things, whatever the reason, you know, we don't know why they have been somehow resistant to the simplicity of grace, but could be pride, could be like, you know, I just, you know, it can't be that easy kind of thing. I don't know. But, um, but yeah, I, I definitely do not believe a true believer has to ever, ever, ever worry about that scripture applying to you, um, because once you are born of him, once you are in him and he's in you, you're in there forever. Yes, that's true. True, true repentance, true faith, uh, true born again experience. You know where you're born of the Spirit. Um, but be careful now. We don't want to be overly concerned with whether someone has truly repented or not. We don't want to be overly concerned with whether someone is really a Christian or not. Um, we, as we said one time, one Sunday here, Jesus said to those who are concerned about the tares growing up with the wheat. Um, and there were those who wanted to pull out the tares and point out which ones are tares and which ones are wheat. And Jesus said, no, 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 leave them alone. Because in your, in your attempt to pull out tares, you will harm the true wheat because only God knows the heart. Only God sees the invisible. And we pointed out the other day, too, about how when uh, Peter asked Jesus, you know, what about this man? What about John? You know, what about this man? You know, what's going to happen to him? And Jesus' response to him was, what is that to you, Peter? You follow me. In other words, you leave that man in my hands. You follow me. So just be careful about being overly concerned with people around us, whether they've genuinely repented or genuinely are believers or genuinely, you know, all this. It's not our, it's not our business, not our job to try to figure out who's a weed, who's a tear. In fact, Jesus was explicit in saying, do not do that. What we do do is we encourage people in the faith. We speak the truth in love and we live our own life, you know, hopefully as an example of his love and his grace, even in our weaknesses, in our failures, it, not, not the perfect life. I'm talking about, even our, especially in our, when we fail and we fall, we say, ah, oh, I blew it. Lord, you're so good. He's so good to me. You know, he's, and then that's an example. See, sometimes we think that the example we're supposed to, we're supposed to lead is the perfect life. No, no, no. We're supposed to live the natural, normal, spiritual life of a believer who has to walk in the Spirit and who has this treasure in weak earthen vessels. And um, how can the world really see God's grace unless they see you going through stuff and yet God bringing you through stuff? You know, so that's what I mean by, the, by you know, that light shining and so forth. And there's a, there's a rest in there. Like I shared one time before I understood grace, I was kind of like the righteousness police. You know, it's like trying to make sure everybody was 
living right around me, and I was hard on myself too. And you know, and you don't want to live that way. That's not the Lord's way. It's not peace. Um, and then you leave it, leave it in the people's hands that you share with. You know, you and I plant seed. It's their responsibility to receive, to believe or not believe. And and God, only God knows. You know, one man plants, another man waters, but God gives the increase. And so you may plant a seed this year with someone that you think is, you know, not really a believer, but you, you're, you hope they will come around to the truth or whatever. Um, and then that person will move to another city with a job or something, transfer. And then they're in Michigan and someone else plants a seed in Michigan. And in other words, God is so big. It's like he plants seeds. He waters. He's so big. I, I often think that, have you ever had a person that you've been sharing with and you just run out of patience, you know, with this person, you know, um, and you just like, you're like, they're an unbeliever. You're trying to get them to see, you know, the, and you just run out of patience. It's almost like God is going, God is so patient and he sees the big picture. It's almost like, you know, okay, so I'm in there for like one quarter of the game and I'm like, we're worn out. He goes, okay, you're out. You're in. Barbara, you're in. You know, I'm out. I'm on the bench now because I'm, I'm out of patience with this person. But Barbara's like fresh. Come on, come on, he'll see. Come on. So Barbara, Barbara, you're in. And Barbara's like in there for a quarter. And then she's like, I can't believe this guy. I, I am, I'm done. I'm done. Barbara, okay, Barbara, you're out. Russ, go in. Russ, go in. Russ, third quarter. The patience of God's awesome, long-suffering. He'll run. He'll go through 25 saints because of his patience. And when you, when you feel like, I can't do it anymore, he goes, that's okay, that's okay. Come on out. Come out of the game. I got another one. Let's go. Come on. John, Kathleen, go. Go encourage this person. Help them see. That's the way he is. It's awesome. Yeah, Luke. Yeah. And she said, you know what? She said, they all look at me and she said, they, she said, I know they talk about me. And she said, they talk about me so much. She said, I went to the preacher. And I said, really? And she said, I, I said, well, do you like the church here? And she goes, yeah. And I said, well, I said, that's cool. And she said, but my my sister kept going, quit going there. She said, we started going together. She said, but now my sister doesn't go there with me. And I said, well, that's okay. I said, as long as you like it. And she said, well, I, she said, they were talking about me so much. She said, I went to the preacher. And the preacher said to her, leave them to me. Don't worry about it. Awesome. That's a wise and preacher. I thought to myself, you know what, Lord? You're right where you belong. That's awesome. And I that is a wise preacher. How wonderful for you. Yeah, that's awesome. How wonderful for you. You know, God's doing something in those other ladies. I know, mm-hmm. but I was so happy for her. That's awesome. Because she loves it where she is. And he, you know, she went to him and I thought, right on. That's cool. That is so yeah. cool. And I just wanted to share that because I just thought, you know, she's right where she can be loved. And I just, you know, I was so happy for her. She's right where she can be loved. Yeah. That's it. That's it. So awesome. Oh, yeah, sure. Um, 
Lou was sharing about how uh, a good friend of hers was is very um, well. She just likes to wear makeup, and she you know dresses well and and. Yeah, really, you know, very fashionable. And anyway, so she joined. She has not been going to church her whole life, I guess. And then, but grew up in an orphanage. Grew up in an orphanage, and then uh, the Lord led her to um, to believe, and she became sounds like a believer. And she joined this Pentecostal church. The Pentecostal church is, you know, as some of their traditions are, you know, no makeup and don't cut your hair, and which I always thought was kind of weird because they put it up in a bun, which made it look like you had short hair. So, um, but. Uh, but they're, they're good people in the Pentecostal church. Really awesome saints of God. Awesome, awesome saints of God. I mean, really, really incredible people of faith. And, you know, Paul says, let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. You know, if some people don't eat meat. And he goes, and some people do eat meat. And some people don't drink wine. And some people do drink wine. And some people uh, uh, esteem the Sabbath as a, as a special day. And some people don't esteem the Sabbath as a special day. You know, he, he says, let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. You know, blessed is the man who does not condemn himself in the thing which he allows. I mean, um, these are preferences. These are not laws or rules. These are just, you know, people are come from different backgrounds. And that's why grace is so awesome that, you know, Anyway, so she's in this church, and she's got this, uh, you know, this makeup on and the, the big bright red lipstick, and all these Pentecostal ladies are looking at her. And so she thought they were talking about her, and, and, um, and they were talking about her. I'm sure they were. And, and, um, and so she went to the pastor, you know, concerned about it. And the pastor said, you leave them to me, which is awesome. Such wisdom of the pastor, because he didn't condemn her. He didn't say, yeah, you got to, you know, ship up or, you know, shape up or ship out or whatever. And um, so I think that was really cool. And, and so, so Lou was saying that he's, she's found a place where she can be loved. And I think that's awesome. And I think God is doing something in those other ladies to show that they shouldn't be so judgmental and to, to see each other after the spirit, not after the flesh. And so there might be all kinds of cool stuff going on in there that God's right in the middle of. So cool. Uh, any other questions about grace, new covenant? Is there a verse, a scripture? Or a situation in your life that you would like to insight on, Kathleen? I wanted to continue on with the lady over there. Just asking, because that scripture has popped up a lot. Who are these people? Who are those that that preach in His name and yet never knew Him? Yeah. Who knows? I mean, it could be anybody. Um, it's it it could be it could be a cultish group, you know, that, uh, that name the name of Christ and, um, you know, go out and, and do things in his name, but they never really were born of the spirit. It's just all religion. Because his name works. If they do that, if they cast out demons in his name, they know about his name. That's exactly right. In fact, I'm glad you brought that out because see, God honors the faith of the people that come. You know, you can, you can have a charlatan on stage uh, that doesn't know Jesus, but they're using his name to make money or whatever. And, but the people that are coming are coming. He can see, like the woman who touched his garment. He said, I felt virtue go out of me. Who touched me? See, he can see the people coming. He sees their hearts coming to him, not to the charlatan. And his, coming in response to his name. And he can heal the sick and answer their prayers. And then the charlatan says, wow, this is pretty cool. I'm making money doing this. In the end... He never knew him, but he, he honored his word. He honored his name. He honored the faith of those who were coming to him. So I'm glad you brought that up because that's what happened. That's why you have miracles and things happen 
because God looks at people's hearts and he's not, he's not, God is so humble. I mean, God is so humble. Think how humble that is. I mean, if, if it was me, I probably would say, no, I'm not giving any miracles to this crowd. This guy's a, this guy's a joke. I don't even know him. I don't even know him. I, I'm not going to give him a, no, God's not like that. God is like, no, I'm honoring the people that are coming. These, this little one, this, this mother who brought her sick child, she's not coming to him. She's coming for me. She's coming to me, the Lord says, and she heals her. Not worried about him, the charlatan, getting credit for it. He doesn't care. God is so awesome. Plus, that's, the scripture says that he is the one who draws men into himself. So, again, he knows who is going to come unto him. Yes. You know, so, so he's just, re- I mean, he said it all out there. Yes. He, kn- he knows all things. He knows, he knows, he knows, he knows. And, it's, and he draws all men. Many are called, but few are chosen. He calls all men. He calls all men, and, and he wants all men to come. God is not willing that any man should perish, but all should come to the knowledge of the truth. That's why the scripture says, Today, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. In other words, he's reaching to all. He stretches forth his arms all the day long, the scripture says. But few are chosen, because the chosen are those who believe. See, those who believe in him are the chosen, but he calls all. The many are called, but few are chosen. Because we're chosen not based on our righteousness, but we're, ba- we're chosen on the basis of being in him. Are we in him? If we're in him, we're of the chosen. And how do we get in him? We believe. So those who believe are placed in him. It is of God that you've been placed in Christ, the scripture says, because you received the good news and believed. And I like that First John 2, 2, where it says, For he died not for our sins only. Speaking of the believer, he died not for our sins only, but for the sins of the whole world. Awesome. Yeah, Hazel? And then Diane? Right. And so I've run into lately people who are saying grace and they're saying like, like if someone fails, they say, well, I, I'm going to give them a little grace. And I'm thinking, and I've heard this repeatedly, and I'm thinking, I think what you mean is I'm going to forgive them or give them some space. But when I say grace, I never mean that. Yeah. And I, I just... It's more mercy there. I'll, I'll be merciful to that person. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think, well, grace in, its, in, in essence means this incredible favor of God without regard to merit, without regard to anything that we uh, deserve. So, in essence, the word grace means this incredible favor of God. Um, 
And so I think in that situation, it's really, the term is really more mercy. I'll be merciful to this person. I'm going to show this person mercy. They failed, and I need to encourage them and show them mercy. Um, um, we can show grace, and we do show grace to other people, but it's more of a, a sense of uh, the favor, you know, that I just, I just want to bless them. I want to bless them. Whether they're doing good or bad, it's not the issue. It's just, you just want to be, and that's how God is toward us. He shows us great favor. But you bring up a very good point, and that's the thing about words. Um, I want to just say a few things about that. Paul says to Timothy to speak with sound words, because it's true. People, one person would say grace, and they're talking about praying over their food. You know, let's say grace. And another person says grace, and they're talking about, um, you know, uh, the sovereignty of God and that he chose certain people to be saved and he chose certain people to go to hell. And that's a grace that is reformed thinking that is in era in my opinion, from the scriptures. Um, that's their definition of grace, is that God you know, sovereignly chooses certain people to go to heaven and sovereignly chooses certain people to go to hell. Um, that's a distortion of grace, um, in my opinion, and from the scripture, I believe, too. And then there's other that see grace maybe more as a mercy thing. Um, but sound words are very, very important. I was just talking to a brother um, just this week, and he, um, he had a... Uh, a meeting with his pastor. He's up in North Carolina. He had a meeting with his pastor um, because he just, he's been feeling just uneasy about some of the teachings that he's been hearing and even walking out, you know, leaving early because he just couldn't, it was, it was conflicting with what God was showing him about the new creation is what it was. Pastor noticed that he would leave every now and then, you know, he wasn't trying to make a big show of it. He was just, you know, quietly, I just can't hear that anymore. You know, it's not what God has shown me about the new creation. So he had a, pastor had a meeting with him with him and a couple of elders had a meeting with him and, you know, it sounded like one of those, those meetings where religion is afraid to lose power or something. I don't know. Um, but they had a meeting and um, this brother was talking to him and, he's, and he's, he was honest with him. And he said, you know, this is what I have a problem with. I said, you say that we, we have an evil heart. We don't have an evil heart. We're Christians. We're believers. We have a new heart and we don't have a sinful heart. And I, I, I can't hear that anymore, that our heart is evil. I, I can't listen to that anymore, that teaching. God is showing me that I'm a new creation. And the pastor's response was this. Well, when I say heart, he goes, when I say heart, I mean flesh. He says, when I say heart, I really mean flesh. I'm talking about the flesh when I say we have an evil heart. Now, see, that is, to me, that's dishonest. Yes. It's, it's not true. And that's why it's very important to speak with sound words because you cannot tell people they have an evil heart. Believers now, believers. You can't tell believers they have an evil heart and just kind of sweep that under the rug and say, well, I mean, you know, I mean the flesh. And No. Heart is the essence of that person's identity. It's who they are. Flesh is a whole different thing. That's the body. That's the flesh. We all war with the flesh. We talked about that a minute ago, the power of sin in the flesh. That's not who we are. So... First of all, it makes me think that this, this pastor may not really see the truth and that he was just hedging. He didn't want to admit that he was maybe not preaching the truth. Uh, it's interesting that he agreed, at least verbally, that we do have a new heart and that I really was meaning the flesh instead of saying, no, we do have an evil heart, which would have been clear. Uh, so it's kind of hazy and gray and, you know, that kind of stuff is just not good. It's not good for the body. It brings confusion. It's not honest. And that's the very thing my, my friend is concerned about. He feels like this, this double message, this uh, um, double talk coming from the uh, teaching there, you know, where you're, one, one minute you're a son of God and 
a new creation. The next minute you have an evil heart and, you know, that kind of thing. And, that, and we've, we've had that religious double talk in our, in our lives for way too long. And it's time to speak with uh, a certain sound, the scripture says, speak with a certain sound. Um, and usually people that don't speak with a certain sound and a clarity of the finished work of Christ, it's usually because they don't believe it. They don't believe in the power. They have a form of godliness, but they don't believe that that is powerful enough to change people's lives. Yeah, Jumba? Uh, I have, don't, don't believe my sister when I tell you this. I've been an angel all my life. When I was a little kid, we had uh, uh, a pastor. His name was Noble Tribble, and he had a sister and a brother. Noble Tribble never got married. Uh, but I had a water balloon. Uh, I was from, I can't remember how old I was, but uh, I was in a group of uh, a bunch of grown-ups, and I was probably waist high, and uh, I don't know why I did this, because I was always an angel, <laughs> and I threw it up in the air, and uh, it came down right at the feet of Noble Trouble's brother, and he had a three-piece suit on, and it exploded at his feet. I had a dad that was a World War II veteran. He fought with uh, uh, George Patton. And uh, he had PTSD. And uh, I didn't find that out until I came home from Vietnam. And so, but uh, he did not go to my dad and tell him what I did. That was grace. Yeah. That's (laughs) That's cool. And you never forgot that. I never forgot that. And he came over to me and said, that's okay. And he gave me a big hug. Awesome. That's awesome. Never forgot that. And that's God. And that's the way God is. That's, that's exactly the way God is. Man, I love, don't you love doing this? We'll do it again. We'll do more questions later. But we've got to really run because of the time. But uh, I heard it said that grace was not it or that or this. It's God. It's Jesus. That's right. That's exactly right. Grace is not a concept. Grace is a person. Grace. Grace is Jesus. Be strong, my son, in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Lord, thank you so much for helping us see these things and setting us free. Bless my brothers, my sisters, Lord. Thank you so much for this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.